Bless a bitch, pull them panties to the side now I probably die anonymous I probably die with promises I probably die walking back home from the candy house I probably die because these colors are standing out I probably die because I ain't know the markets for snitching I probably die at these house parties fucking with bitches I probably die from witnesses leaving me foster cues I probably die from thinking that me and your hood was cool Or maybe die from pressing the line acting too extra Or maybe die because these smoke And of course, on iTunes, by delightfully, currently by its acronyms L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T So, when you're at iTunes, just remember L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T Type that in and then you'll get the feed You can't miss it, there's no data available on it So right now Let's watch a full length movie on YouTube Let's Go to YouTube Are you in front of YouTube? Do you have a computer? A phone? A game system? My DS has YouTube Excuse me for a second, I'm going to have to burp I did have to burp. Anyway, I hopefully that distracted you enough time to go ahead and get to YouTube. We are going to watch a movie. Uh, I'm actually very excited. This movie is on YouTube. And I heard about this movie from a documentary. How about that? A documentary about movies. It's a 2008 documentary called uh, Far From Hollywood. The Wild Untold Story of Ozplexation. And it's a movie about the uh, Australian film industry uh, during its boom in the late 1970s and early 80s when they would push out raunchy sex comedies, violent horror movies, and violent action movies. <coughs> and in this documentary, they basically said the Nader was a film called Turkey Shoot. Turkey shoot, I believe it's called, and I saw that it is on YouTube. So uh, my name is Mike Spiegelman. I'll be co-hosting the show. I'm very excited to have as co-host and once again. Whoa. Hola, Alyssa Westerlund. Hola. Hola. You sound great. Uh, yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. good. I'm yeah, good. You're good. Saturday nights are hard, you know. Well, we are. Uh, <laughs> as I mentioned, this is a recording. Uh, this this recording will be playing on September 11th. Perfect. Perfect. And we're recording early. We're actually live right now at noon, and uh, we just followed the brunch show, the lazy brunch show here at Muni FM. So there's leftover orange juice and Ooh. cookies. Ooh, lazy brunch, brunch show. Yeah. Hell yeah. Apparently they have something called. Uh, guess what I'm eating. So we were just at this, uh, God, we, I just had breakfast. That's what took me so long. And these people, this lackadaisical service in San Francisco, it's ridiculous, man. I love the service. It took them four minutes to even notice that we were there. I'm like, okay, okay, we need, we got 15 minutes, we got to be out. You got the table. You got the, you're right, you're right. You but I'm table. coming here. I'm in a rush, right? I'm, well, that was your mistake for sitting down on a Sunday. I, well, and I just looked at her and I was like, so they didn't even, anyway, it was just a moment of of like There's seriously guys we asked for the check so we just left money on the table and bounced and, oh yeah. and they didn't even notice like like they just i mean it just totally no these guys were on morphine i'm telling you marks. <laughs> you left money on the table and then bearded your meal no we ate everything and then yeah, just, they didn't bring us a check it took 10 minutes to get a check you actually left money or you just pulled no 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 we did leave money no, oh oh yeah we left money but she was just like out out to lunch man it was like i thought i <laughs> 
telling you, I've never seen s four servers so high on well, morphine. Well, you know what? It, no, it's not that. It's a, it's a three-day weekend, and it's, of course, Sunday brunch. Right. And, you know, I, my, my thing was that I was going to go to the cafe next door here. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me, and uh, get a sandwich to go if I'm lucky, if not a pastry. And I, the wind, the curtains are all down. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm gonna get potato chips and soda that I'm gonna burp on the air <laughs> from the liquor store. <laughs> and I get to the, the cafe, and there's everything. The shades are drawn, the lights are off, and there's a sign with a picture of the American flag and a paragraph about Labor Day and how they're closed this weekend. I'm like, God, like the Labor Day is on Monday. Like, you know, how about the? Uh, all right, well. Uh, no, I mean, I don't get it uh, either. These holidays. Apparently, they're just working people too hard. They really need that excuse. They totally need that excuse. Okay, so we are going to start this movie. So this movie, I was explaining. Turkey for the Shoot. Turkey Shoot. So go to YouTube, type in Turkey Shoot 1982. It's another 80s movie, but it, to, to be fair, it's from Australia. Beautiful, beautiful. And uh, this is a crazy old Ozploitation flick. Do you know Ozploitation? Like Blaxploitation? Oh. Exploitation movie? Okay. Oz. Australia. Okay. All right. So let's tip our toe into Australian. So go ahead. Uh, our good friend Joseph Shildell Shildell S H E I uh, D A H L. Uh, but anyway, Joseph has Turkey Shoot, 1982 full movie. Yeah. And there's even a, a little picture of it. Oh, here comes the commercial. I just, okay, I love turkeys. It's my, love, my dad used to call me a turkey. I love turkeys. You love turkeys. I love Australians. I met a, I met a, a, a an Australian, a drag king and queen last night in my lift. Um, so, yeah, this, it just, I hope there's drag kings in here and drag queens. There's a werewolf in here. Ooh, okay, that, that's okay, better. Way that's better. What I'm way say. better, way better. And he's not even uh, a main character. Okay. So, uh, we were, I just paused on the ad, and so go ahead to the site and to skip ad I'm playing the ad let me go plug in the speakers for us while the ad is playing so we can hear it ooh exciting do you, do you hear it now okay so we're gonna skip ad and start turkey shoot from 1982 from Australia bam is it from New Zealand oh you motherfucker oh I'm gonna oh. kill you is it no you never you never do that to somebody and I think I uh all right, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, we're doing it. So right now we're watching Real Life Rioters. They, did they sign a release to be in this movie? No. Back they, then, there's I, no, I really no hope they take this me getting pounded on the street and uh, put it on the opening credits of uh, the film. Oh, uh, look, whoa. the real life person is caught on fire while the opening credits run. Real life person caught on fire. Olivia Hussey, do you know who she is? No. She played uh, Juliet in Romeo and Juliet, Ooh. 1968. Did you ever watch oh, that? Oh, I high did school? watch the 90s. She was gorgeous. Yeah, right, her shirt's gorgeous. off. I remember that from uh. high school, too. And Daniel Craig as Thatcher. And then this is where they get the opening credit. You know, 1981, copyright turkey shoot. This is a. Uh, so someone died to be uh, in this. I hope I'm in the opening credits <laughs> of Turkey Shoot. Wow. Linda Stoner. Are these all Australian riots? Roger Ward. I mean, they. Yeah. I can't hear them screaming, so I'm trying to. No, I hear rioters in the street. These are real rioters. They didn't stage this like Batman: uh, Dark Knight Rises. Aphrodite condos. Queensway. Man, they are really just beating up. Boy, this really puts me in the mood for 90 minutes, <laughs> watching real-life people getting pummeled. By them. 
from the street is back on the air my name is dj aisha and johnny blair is here how you doing johnny excellent how about you uh just amazing on this gloomy san francisco day was enjoying the sun yesterday did you get a chance to enjoy it at all yes it seems <laughs> like we did a long long walk around the hill oh beautiful um do you go to bernal hill pretty often yeah, you can see everything up there. You can see where Steve McQueen started his car chase and bullet from up yeah, there. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, um, there's a lot of good restaurants over there, too. It's kind of a little bit away from the mission, but not too far, but just enough away where it's some of the trendoids are not going to infiltrate over there. Well, the whole city is a great neighborhood. <laughs> yes. Every section of the city has something to offer, I believe. Um, is there something in particular in Bernal Heights that interested you? There's an interesting music community the, uh, that I noticed just passing by. There's a place, Lucky Horseshoe, it seems to have all these open mics and people dropping in and you, mm -hmm. you stick your head in there and it's like, whoa, it's some pretty A-grade musicians plus the locals get to mix it up. That's awesome. And that's called Lucky Horseshoe? Right. They're right there in Cortland. Oh, okay. I think I've walked by that place a couple times. A lot of great... There's still a lot of great places in the city, so people should not give up hope. Yep. <laughs> the drummer who played on that track we just listened to, yes. uh, Prairie Prince, mm -hmm. who's played with everybody, uh, he's out on the road. I believe now he's either doing an art project in Sicily or he's on the road with Todd Rundgren I'm not sure but nice. he's a, he's an A-list guy I got him to play on there and he nailed it uh, he used to be one of our neighbors he's still kind of in the neighborhood mm -hmm. so everyone on that track actually came from the neighborhood they go all over the world and circle back Ooh! and what was the inspiration behind that song that we just heard I don't know if you're familiar with Lieber and Stoller they used to write these they wrote novelty songs and back all the way back to the 50s mm -hmm. and then up through the 60s 70s 80s even they were writing and producing for other artists but they were kind of they would do these short story songs and that one imagines a guy who's just driving across country and is just wanting to get there and say leave a light on for me and mm -hmm. uh it wasn't just the story. I also wanted to mix up this tango rock kind of influence I've been working on. And I listened to a lot of the Nuevo Tango and uh, Astro Piazzolla, which is more techie. And uh, just wanted to mix up those elements. But the, the other cool thing, I get by with a little help from my friends, <laughs> was the guitar player on there, and he also mixed it, uh, it as Chris Von Snydern. 
who's a big man on campus around here. Mm-hmm. And I've been working with him since the 80s. A couple of days before the session, it flew into my head, well, I want to do this song and get it out there. And I called up Chris. I'm looking for that sound like Wicked Game, the Chris Isaac song. And he said, oh, really? Well, it just so happens the rhythm section of that band is going to be here next Monday. So <laughs> send us the MP3s. We'll do it Monday. I said, Click. Okay. Thank you very much. It's a done deal. Yeah. <laughs> and how was that experience? It was great. You know, you're dealing with A-list musicians. They go in. They cut the, the parts. One or two takes. We're ready to go. Are you, it sounds like you've had a lot of interactions with different musicians over the years. Um, what is your the most memorable experience for you besides working with Chris Isaac's backing band? Huh. Well, there's probably one, there's a lot of memory attached to the current project, uh, helping out people remixing and uh, just finished one with an artist out of San Jose. Mm-hmm. He's actually Jackson, Mississippi, which oh. is a place that has a lot of music history. Right. Everything from Milton Babbitt, electronic music, over to Otis Spann, the blues guy, and Cassandra Wilson. They all come out of there. So he has that whole vibe, but mm-hmm. he sings like David Bowie. And we just cut, I wanted to bring some of that over here, but it wasn't handy. So oh. his name's Peter Chauncey. He's online. You could check that out. Uh-huh. I really enjoy his stuff. Going back in the Wayback Machine, I'm going to have to say 1996, Mm -hmm. Nashville, Tennessee. I was working two projects at once. Uh, One was with my former colleague, friend, employer, uh, Davy Jones, the Monkees. And uh, we were working on solo stuff of his. It was almost finished, this one record. And then he said, now we got to go across town and check on the guys. And what that was, was the monkeys, all four, mm-hmm. were working on an album. I'd done a little bit of pre-production on that record, mostly Davy tracks. And then I got there and they were all there. And it was just like the TV show because <laughs> it was a sweetening session and things were loose. It, it, you know, it wasn't intense. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike was being quiet and philosophical. He was pretty much the producer of that. Mm-hmm. And Peter was throwing tambourines up in the air and trying to juggle and Mickey was running around yucking it up and cracking jokes and it was a really it was like whoa it's just like the TV show you know? <laughs> so it was kind of like the first reality show <laughs> yes yes it was, a, it was a, about a rock band trying to get gigs that's awesome no I, I, gr- I grew up in the 80s watching reruns of that show yeah that was the second wave pretty awesome and they some of the original members are still touring yes mickey's very busy peter's doing his blues band he he loves the blues if you want to be friends with peter do a blues jam with him then then you're you're all set uh and mike mike has a book that just came out Mm -hmm. and uh it's a uh it's not your typical linear biography that i can tell but uh there's a lot of online buzz about that i mean it's brand brand new okay well, that would be an interesting read. Yes. Do you still cross paths with them from time to time? or? Uh, we just saw my fiancé and I went to the Monkees concert <laughs> last September that was here in town and got oh, to catch right. up because mm-hmm. I, I toured with them, but it, you know, it was just I keep in touch and everyone's busy and then all of a sudden right. you catch up. So, so it was kind of like a 
reunion, kind of a little little friendly family reunion sort of thing. Because the, also the road musicians, it's like a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows, known everybody's upwards of twenty years. Right. It's pretty awesome. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on. Currently, mostly producing other artists. I mentioned Peter Chauncey. Mm-hmm. There's a guy here in the neighborhood, Chris Poro, who's working on an EP. Uh, he said it was okay to talk this up. <laughs> and it's an EP dedicated, it's a concept album actually about his grandmother. Huh. And she apparently was a remarkable woman. Mm-hmm. And musically, if you go on, he has a SoundCloud site. He's doing hard rock heavy metal on one side of it and then he jumps radically over to this sweet kind of singer songwriter thing almost billy joel kind of <laughs> stuff and that's the stuff we're working on a little mccartney billy joel influence on that and that's something that's in the oven and i, I think i'm helping uh remix some other things and and uh currently hanging my shingle out as a producer quite a bit but i do want to get back on the road i mm-hmm. i've even thought about busking you know, just, yeah. just get down there and just do it. <laughs> get the exercise going. Seems to be a, a big thing here. Um, if you were to play a short tour, would you focus on the Bay Area or do, do you like touring the West Coast in general? Um, anywhere, really. I have my hot spots. Uh, I did the Northeast. I lived in Pennsylvania a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And so, like up through Michigan, Chicago, out through back into Boston, mm-hmm. those were always good areas for me. Uh, good areas meaning people were friendly, the food right. was good, good places to stay, mm-hmm. the gear was good. Central Florida is a good place for me. I have a lot of contacts there. I used to live in Tampa Bay. Hmm. And then around here. It's a good spot. Would you, if you were to go on tour, would it be a solo endeavor or do you bring other musicians who are interested in Uh, going along for the ride well you have to feed these people (laughs) and that can get expensive (laughs) well that said i did do i've done it different ways i had a band in the 80s that uh went for about a year where it was a real band you know we rehearsed down there at the farm and played union square and mabuhe all these places and uh, it rolled pretty well but i think it fell apart combination of the usual stuff you know somebody wants to go sell motorcycles somebody wanted to play more of a certain style this mm-hmm. that the other and then i think it broke down when we went to record because only the drummer and i could keep up that pace and the other guys probably won't mind me saying this because i ghosted all their parts and they got the credit but um and they're not even recording or anything right now, but huh. they they came out and they said, wow, that sounds really good, but that's not me, you know? And I think that's kind of what ended that. But then I went into knowing a lot of really good musicians. It's not, it's quite as cohesive just to call people up, say, hey, I got gigs, you want to play? And knowing they can nail the parts and you pat it out with covers and things that everybody knows. Then uh, I rehearsed them but if somebody couldn't make it, I would just dial in somebody else. I did that for a while. This is just another method. Mm-hmm. And then I went to just playing solo acoustic. And I did it differently. I didn't want to be just another white guy with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> I put more energy and showmanship into that. And people weren't expecting it. And I liked it. And it huh. was 
also economical. Uh, Roger McGuinn says that. He says, I like playing by myself. You have more control. You, you don't have to, can't yell at anybody for being late. Right. You know, things like that. So there's benefits all different ways. But I would love the teamwork, once again, of really good musicians that are locked into it. It's not a pressure thing for money. Uh, money's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get things turning, people, the word gets out. And next thing you know, you're playing all over the place and making some money, too. That's awesome. And um, where can people find out more about you online? I have a new website and johnnyjblairmusic.com. Also, live and well on Facebook again and musician page. All the usual outposts. I have SoundCloud, Reverb Mm -hmm. Nation. Uh, The SoundCloud and Reverb Nation is a pretty interesting community. There's a lot of little opportunities popping up on there. And... uh, yeah, all those places. You can find me. And, and and if anyone's listening out there, you need a producer, I'll really get it done. <laughs> it's a good way to promote yourself. <laughs> and when, I guess a question about when you're in producer mode, do you, do people come to your house to record or do you go into the studio? With the I artist? much prefer a studio. Houses are good. It's not work for me for a combination of reasons. There's just, it's your domestic environment Mm -hmm. and it's usually the people who live there do well but I'm not it's just me I'm not comfortable going into someone else's home unless it's a separate building or something like that Mm because then they got to stop and you know Junior's calling or you know (laughs) or somebody left their sandwich there you know whereas a studio Uh. there's a different schedule of who gets in the rules some people don't allow certain things some people allow certain things so the studio is pretty neutral as far as that goes you're in there just to do the music you're not in there to like sleep on the couch and and you know i've, I've been in studios where people showed up and they was hey you want to see my gun <laughs> or or they brought literally a van load of people and they're going to have a pizza party uh-huh. so in a studio you say no that's not the rule here same as your home uh, and studios are more inclined to be the professional, neutral environment that I would like to work in. Right. Of course, it has to be a comfortable studio. Yes. There might be pizza there. There might not be pizza there. Right. So. You have to take a break. <laughs> That's funny. I have a production here. Oh. Number three. Oh, okay. Is it the same? It's is, a different CD. Yes. It's, it's pretty exemplary as far as... I got to give credit to the band on this one. This was like a dream band. It's a group you may have heard of. They're still out there. Uh, they were a big 90s thing. Uh-huh. They were kind of on somewhere between grunge and Americana. Okay. They were called the Badleys. Okay. They were on MTV and did all that top 20 stuff. Yeah. But they're, they backed me up on this one, on this one and a couple others that I have here. And boy, did they nail it. I just love those guys. And this is track number three. It's called If I could dress like Clive Owen. Like 
Do you think eventually Clive Owen's gonna catch on? Well, Clive, if you happen to be out there listening, this song's for you. <laughs> but it's 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 gotten around quite a bit. Um, that was from an album I did, 2011. Mm-hmm. I like the street, which folds into Sounds of the Street. Right. And uh, we might play that song later too. The I like the street. I, I played that one a lot. And yeah, it was a fun record because I had a chance to, to play. Usually I go in a studio and I just record, 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 and then pull stuff out that works. This one, I got to road test the songs, either solo or with musicians. And we went in and there's, it was already, the kinks were already out of it. Woohoo. And the next song that, you're th- that you want to play is, uh, this is an album that's completely dedicated to Lou Reed. Lou Reed, yes, Velvet Underground. And um, track number three, or no, track number one. Yes, it's a familiar song, often covered, but rarely duplicated. Mm-hmm. Sunday morning. All right.
And this After Hours Lou Reed tribute album, this came out in 2003? Three. Okay. Yes, we got a lot of mileage out of that one. Mm-hmm. That was uh, me. They called themselves the Cellar Birds, which was a splinter group from the Badleys. Mm-hmm. They're kind of prolific guys, so they have to... Like the main writer is Brett Alexander. Mm-hmm. He wrote probably their hits. And the ones that got the most play... He's very into Dylan, John Fogarty, that Americana thing. And uh, so he has his things. I've done shows with him. And then the Cellarbirds were like the studio entity part of the Badleys. They had a very, very vibrant front man. He was voted sexiest man in Pennsylvania one time. He was just he looked like he looked like young Sil- Sylvester Stallone okay. with hippie hair. Okay. Right? And yeah, the women just loved him. And he was very charismatic. You know, and uh, I did a symphony gig with his name's Pete Palladino. He's still around. I think he's running the Badleys now. Um, and he uh, he's in Philadelphia, like Rocky. And I did a symphony event with him where he read "Twas the Night Before Christmas" with the symphony. Mm-hmm. So he showed up. He had this tuxedo. He was all decked out, and all the way, you know, pr- pressed pants, everything, and sneakers. <laughs> So well then <laughs> he was that kind of guy but anyway they're, yeah they're very diverse people and and they're great and they're still back there cranking out the stuff that's awesome and what inspired you to do a tribute to lou reed what do you think the record company no oh, they said well really? here, here's the thing um i've always liked velvet underground mm-hmm. and they were always in the background my upbringing i think i had white light white heat first most people had the banana record i sure did i i got that one and my guy was john kale Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't know how musical he is how prolific he is and that's what kept me with velvet underground more so than lou reed although i like lou reed quite a bit too i had berlin and different records over the years Mm -hmm. so the record company wanted to do this tribute album i was already in there they're, they're stable and that was a song I chose that sound I went for I wanted to go more pop and you look at the year that came out it was late 66 that was the mm-hmm. era of the monkeys the turtles Penny Lane yeah. and that, that's the zone I wanted to put it in I even put in uh, Beach Boys Jingle Bells the Sleigh Bells all great bands have you heard of the zombies oh sure they're coming to town tuesday yeah are you guys going i'm gonna go we talked about it that'll be interesting i've been i've missed them the last couple times they were here and they've been touring pretty frequently we were gonna do a tour with them i forget what year it was it didn't materialize but i was all excited yeah (laughs) another uh, british invasion band that you don't want to miss and Tell us a little bit more about how you became a musician and what inspired you. My dad said, if you touch the stove, you'll burn your hand. But if you touch the piano, you'll make music. (laughs) Actually, he didn't say that. But uh, it was a response to my environment. And I... Uh, there's theories uh, all this brain research and why people become musician and why this so-and-so became a plumber and whatever occupation it is an occupation for me but it's also something that people can do as a hobby as a diversion 
all kinds of reasons. For me, not knowing those things when you're a kid, it was a way to connect with people and it was a way to, to deal with people. It was a way to, uh, some, some sort of coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. It was a safety zone for me. Huh. And I've even written that out for different things I've had to write about music. And I would say, you know, the bully stopped picking on me when I played music. And people would like, just leave me alone. And, and even say, wow, that was pretty cool. You played that Herb Albert record by ear or whatever it was. And then it just went from there. And then eventually, well, where I was, there was always music. We went to church, there was singing. The radio would be on. My dad was a record collector. He had a guitar sitting around. And we always had pianos. It was at the, the end of that era where a lot of people had player pianos in the house because that used to be the entertainment before mm-hmm. radio. Right. And if you were around grandparents, they just had one. So that would be a place for me to go. When I'd visit people, I'd go play the piano. Eventually, I took lessons. And then I started, I think, age 10. That would be, for me, 1967. Whoa. <laughs> and the monkeys were on TV. And I my first record I ever bought was Penny Lane with the picture sleep. Mm-hmm. And that was my way of connecting with other kids, too. Because then other kids was, oh, I play this. I, my brother does this. And, you know, and then you start invading everybody else's house. Right. That's a good way to start out. <laughs> yeah. It was also, I guess, that time, you know, the 60s, things were changing politically and socially and um, musically, too. It was an interesting time of changes in cuisine, culture, yeah. technology, fashion, mm-hmm. music. And someone said, well, music's always been a language for people. I don't know. Hmm historically it goes in phases because like the baroque era if you look back then there was always music around and it was a big deal they always had a string quartet in the corner or something it was it was a similar time and fast forward to that period where there's explosions of technology and people getting on the moon and all this and uh, a rediscovery of how powerful radio was Radio changed everything in the 1920s. So fast forward to the 70s when you, oh, now you have FM radio. You could play a whole side of a Pink Floyd record so the DJ could go to the restroom and get a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and all those things were coming along. So And now we it's cheaper than ever to make a record. Mm-hmm. People doing it at home and next thing it's on YouTube or something. But it's not as good as Penny Lane. Let's be real. No, that was <laughs> that was right from the heart and also a lot of good technology on that too besides it's being great song crafting for the time I mean you still listen to it now and you're like wow it's like you just wrote it um, my mom says watching the Beatles on TV on the Ed Sullivan show when they first came to America there was something about uh, seeing them on TV and having that exposure that you know previous generations didn't have that you know being able to see their favorite band or a band that they've been listening to Live, you know what I mean. That was kind of, I guess, that would fall into technology. And um, how do you, how do you think technology has helped or hindered music today, fifty years later? There's, there's a need for people to take responsibility for quality and realize that there's, there's a camp. You know, it's art for art's sake. And 
all the rules really work. There's some people say, oh, you have to put out art for it's a commission or it's a, a reason, it's a mission, it's this, it's that. And sure, there are sometimes you write a song for somebody or about somebody or topic, protest song, uh, military themes, whatever, patriotic themes. There's all kinds of reasons to write songs. And that was, that's more of a functional approach. And then there's also what Eric Satie called furniture music, meaning music that's important, but not, not necessarily to be listened to. It mm. serves an environment. So there's a lot of different, they call it ambient music now. So there are a lot of different reasons to do the music. So tying that in with the tech, I think everybody needs to look at why am I doing this? They have the freedom to do it. Certainly you have the right to do it almost and put it out there. So I think everyone needs to evaluate themselves. I can't control outcomes. I can't say, uh, like John Fogarty in his recent book mm-hmm. was talking about, they're like ants out there, all these artists putting out stuff. Huh. I think a question everyone, and it's because of the technology, it's gotten so easy. Mm-hmm. It used to be a big deal. You had to book really expensive studio time and buy two-inch tape. Two-inch tape was 120 bucks to get six songs maybe on there and then you had to go buy another reel mm-hmm. for the b-side so it's all changed now you can record infinite amounts of music and it doesn't cost you what it used to so the question i ask mm-hmm. for myself is am i taking up space or am i making new space in other words is my music going to go out there and create new frontiers, new images, fresh ideas, mm-hmm. fresh motivation, make someone happy? Or is it just going to take up space and just be another one of those things that the record collector geek says he has filed under B? <laughs> amongst all the other people filed under B. At Amoeba, right? Yeah. <laughs> For record store day of all days. <laughs> yeah. When- we, had, we had it covered today, too. Science Day in... National Record Store Day. Woohoo! So we listened to Thomas Dolby, She Blinded Me With Science. All right. And the BG singing about Thomas Edison. <laughs> Covering all kinds of, you know, things that happened over the years. Right. Um, who do you think was more talented, the Bee Gees or Thomas Dolby? That's hard to say. Uh, I only know that one song by him. Did he do... I mean, he wrote other songs, obviously. Thomas Dolby. Yeah, he was an MTV darling, and he's a techie guy that actually was doing pioneering things on the side, you know, with the actual recording processes. He's still around. I believe he lives in the Bay Area. I saw something where he was, like, living... It wasn't like an RV, but it was something like an RV, and I was like, that's interesting. (laughs) I don't know anybody else doing that, but that was, you know, within the past couple years, so I guess he's still... He's still out and about, as they say. Hey, I have a track for you to play. Oh, sure. Because this ties a lot of what just occurred to me. Yes. Because so much of it was the result of technology. Uh-huh. It was recorded in Moscow, Russia. Of and all places. Stockholm and Kentucky and central Pennsylvania. Jesus. And... <laughs> All brought together because of technology. Uh huh. Is it because the people you were recording with were based in these cities? Yes, it's a collage in a way uh, that would be number 12. Number 12 is called Exotic Animals and Beaches of Pennsylvania. 
And the cool thing about technology is that people can come together without getting on a plane. And there's criticism about, well, you know, don't you want to be in a studio and actually you know, smell the people? You say, well, that would be ideal. I would like to be able Feel to their see vibes. my friends and fly people in and so on and so on. But then you run into deadlines and expenses. Yeah. But if someone can send you really good files and... So it's still organic in a way because we put our heads together. Mm-hmm. So this is a collage. Uh, it has Davy Jones, the monkeys, doing narration. Mm-hmm. I call it zany narration. And the music bed is kind of like the spy mo- movie music. Uh, and it's a string quartet from Moscow playing with my friend drumming in Stockholm, Sweden, my old friend Bill Bryant, who's a very big tech head. And there it is, Exotic Animals and Beaches of Pennsylvania. Some of Davy in there. Yeah, 
that was him talking about Pennsylvania. Yeah. And that's a little bit of a backstory. The, the track was called Exotic Animals and Beaches of Pennsylvania because it's kind of a joke. The uh, Well, I guess there are exotic animals there. They even have elk there. There's a, a region of central Pennsylvania that's pretty much un, untouched by a lot of industry. People on the West Coast... When I was out here, they'd never been there. People think it's all smokestacks and factories and subways. And there are actually large areas of that part of the country that it's like when I grew up. So there's a national forest in part of the Appalachian Mountains mm-hmm. running through central Pennsylvania. Back in 1986, Davy Jones was flush with monkey's cash. Uh-huh. And they had just played Hershey. He was visiting another friend, in central Pennsylvania who had married a woman from there, a British friend named Alan Green. And Alan said, yeah, stop by, come up. And so he was driving and driving, gets up to this place to see Alan and sees this 14 acres, 14 room mansion for like $86,000. That's like nothing now. Yeah, I think it's, (laughs) it's just a very, you know, and it flew into his head wow, you'd have to spend millions of dollars and this, that, and I need a place to run my horses. And, and it's a getaway, too. It was only an hour from a big airport, but nobody around there bothered you. It was like Green Acres. Hmm. There wasn't even a red light in this town. Nice. So he bought the place, and he became very attached to Pennsylvania. He was When he was there, he would just show up at the pool room or the local bar or the restaurants. Everybody knew him. And he had talking points with Pennsylvania. And that was just basically a collection of his bromides. He was talking about going into a church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where people signed the book when they visit. And he saw this one and said, Harold T. Faust, homeless. People put where they're from. He's homeless. He said, oh, that really touched me. And he's just going on and on about Pennsylvania. And uh, so that's the backstory about him and them. And then this other song that you wanted me to play, I forgot what track it was. <laughs> we were talking about technology, and yes, that was a song we were... Night Garden on there. 13? 12? No, 8. 8, number 8. Number 8. <laughs> I was like, I can't keep track of numbers. I wasn't good at that in school. Okay. <laughs> Dancing through the blossoms, opening the arms. Earth is sprouting eyes and ears. Secret meeting in the garden, make a plan tonight. Love can overpower our fears. Yeah. 
you ever rework songs that you've already done and re-release them? Oh yeah. The um in a way that was a reworking that one mm-hmm. because one version was already done. That that song's called Night Garden. Mm-hmm. It was inspired by an airline magazine article. I was reading some of some of the greatest stuff goes into those magazines. And there was this elderly African-American gentleman who was a famous gardener. He's, he's passed away. I tried to find him. And uh, he wrote this beautiful article about night gardens. And I was, I, I'm not even a gardener. I don't know anything. I just couldn't put it down. And, and then I already had that groove, that boom, 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 boom. So I cut it with Eric Biondo, who played the trumpet and drums on that. And it sat and it sat and... You know, we recorded in Brooklyn and in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And then concurrently to all that, I've known Mike Garson. He's David Bowie's piano player. Mm. And he played the lead piano on that. And and I've known him since the 90s. And we kept in touch and did a symphony event, uh, a string of things around this symphony event. Mm -hmm. Communicated and talking about collaborating on a, a book and some other things and um, we never actually recorded together. So I finished that track. I added some more stuff to it, kept remaking, remaking, and did my own piano. And I sent it to him as a joke. I said, hey, Mike, how do you like my fake Mike Garson piano part? And ha ha. He sends it back with this ripping lead. I'm like, whoa. I mean, this guy's <laughs> a monster. He played on Aladdin Sane. Uh-huh. The, the crazy, that piano solo he did on Aladdin Sane, he says, I never go a week without someone bringing that up. And, he, and Chick Corea said, Mike Garson doesn't play the piano. He eats it. But how, and then Bowie uh, brought him in. He said he never, Mike said he wasn't even familiar with his music. He knew Mick Ronson from um, some other channel. And they brought him in. They needed a keyboard player. He was changing the band out. Mm-hmm. And he said, do this song. It all was boom, 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 boom 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 so he started playing a rock he said no Bowie he said no I don't want that and he said okay so he started doing a blues lead no I don't want that he said and he started doing a jazz thing no I don't want that he said I heard you were into fringe music I heard you were into the avant-garde <laughs> and he said well if you want that okay so he did that crazy cat that's it that's what I want that's what I want and he did it in like a couple takes that was that that's amazing so and he sent me that and I was like thank you very much <laughs> very um Wow, it seems like you've crossed paths with a lot of musical geniuses in your time. I am blessed. <laughs> I am so blessed. I'm very grateful for all that, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it seems like this big pinball machine, and you hit the, the lever again and bounces back up mm-hmm. there, and you hit some lights. Right. And you might go days and days, and all of a sudden, an idea comes along, or a person, an inspiration, like... My fiance, who's a recording artist in her own right, Woo-hoo. and has a, a hugely wonderful project that's going to hatch this year, and um, she can come back and tell us about it. That's right. And uh, remind us again the best website where we can check your latest information. My name is Johnny J. Blair, singer at large. <laughs> and you'll find me under that search. I do have a, a new website. I'm tweaking it, but it's there. It's johnnyjblairmusic.com. 
And I'm on Facebook, the musician page, and SoundCloud, and Reverb Nation, and all the usual channels. Oh, the YouTube channel. I forgot about that. Uh-huh. And I'm starting another YouTube channel. But that's, yeah, they're all out there. I'm on all the usual stations. <laughs> um, not the FM dial. <laughs> no, or but I've been there were. too. <laughs> I can't believe that the station that will name remain unnamed they only gave you 10 minutes <laughs> actually that was a lot was it because unless you were like the clash or somebody yeah. you know that could come in and, and block out a bunch of time but for KUSF back then that was a good block of time because it was very competitive because uh-huh. they, they were so they were extremely supportive of the independent music scene uh-huh. and I lost track of that they went off the air but I guess they they're, they're on they're com. streaming kind of like streaming. what we're doing right yeah so that's good. They're not completely gone. Um, you know, we're here. <laughs> we exist. It's just a matter of being able to promote it and, um, you know, get people's attention. Be like, hey, like, you don't have to listen to that corporate crap unless you want to. Right. By all means. <laughs> I have the song. Oh. It's on this CD that I they actually played. This is a, a vastly improved mix of it. Mm-hmm. It's a song about San Francisco. Okay. It's a tongue-in-cheeky take on the then-election. Do you want me to play it? That would be great. It's number four. It's called One Planet, One Utopia, One Helmet. Number four. Oh, I already have it in there. Yes, you do. Is that you? And we're on Mutiny Radio. Is that right? We are. Mutiny Radio FM.com. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you all listening. And if you're going to have a mutiny, do it when you're happy. I couldn't agree more. segue for a song right that was a sequel to the Clive Owen song called Spying in Barcelona and spying on him in particular no I uh, I, I think I don't know I heard Clive's a pretty private person you don't see him doing the red carpet and he goes home to his family and his wife and kids and keeps it quiet mm-hmm. but this this song we were on the search for one planet one utopia one helmet is my take on the elections, a certain election. 
that was kind of an interesting uh, ending. <laughs> and um, so how do you feel about elections now? <laughs> right. Well, if you want to get academic about it, it should have been, if you're going to go resume to resume, like here's the good Democrat resume and here was the, the good Republican resume, it should have been Bernie Sanders versus Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. It would have been real. Right. But there was so much stuff that yeah. got monkeyed with. And then you mix in somebody, that, the low information voters who are going to pick somebody they're familiar with because he was on a reality TV show. Right. There you have it. Gosh darn technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. What a shame. Um, well, did you want to play one more song? or I know you were thinking about playing a, a live track. Yes, I could uh, saddle up to do a live one. I was going to play I Like the Street. Okay. And meanwhile, we were talking about Velvet Underground. Yeah, tell me more about I did that. a cover of uh, What Goes On, Velvet Underground song. Yes. And, I love that. And I think they're probably one of the most, one of the bands I've done the most covers of mm-hmm. over time. It's not, on, it's not on the album? It's on the I Like the Street album. It's oh. number two. Okay. I and this I'm sure people would love to hear that one i would love to hear it as well so uh, put it on there i think it's number two number two and it's been how many years since he passed away four years five years you see yeah it's been a few i have favorite records lou reed uh i like the raven it got mixed reviews but i thought that was a very good record i heard he actually took voice lessons so he could sing with the uh the gospel group on there and uh, it's a way cool track. So this is what goes on. Let it be good. 
was a pretty awesome cover. Well, thank you very much. And that was cover of the Velvet Underground, What Goes On, on I Like the Street. And then you're going to play that exact the title song. title song. <laughs> and I, I played this so much, and I heard I was going to be on Sounds of the Street. <laughs> so I thought, well, I should do this. Yeah. Now, I was a bicycle messenger in San Francisco from like late 70s into the mid 80s off and on while doing other things it's a perfect part-time well you could quit and come back and quit and come back because back then they just needed bodies and it was fun it was dangerous but it was decent money and i got to see a lot of stuff uh-huh a lot of stuff out there crazy the highs and the lows mm. the crimes the punishments and the glories and the redemptions. This is my song. It's my mind on bike. It's autobiographical. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the street. I like the street. The hustle and the bustle and the people that I meet The grifters and the starstruck The poets and the punks The PhDs, the jailbirds The models and the drunks the barkers and the preachers and the friends that I hold dear Some will bring you aggravation, some will bring you cheer Beep beep, I like the street I like the street Dancing on the asphalt as it rises to my feet. Cabs burst through the steaming grills as fists shake at the sky. Some people look happy and some look like they want to die. Some have made a big impression at the bridge where the vagrants sleep. Now we know why Jesus went up on the hill to weep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Some like open forests. There's room enough to roam. But I like the urban thick of it Well, makes me feel at home People race to knock you down Others stop and yield Thank you That's the pace here in this town In this mission field There are people who know many tongues There are people who always lie now we know why Jesus went up on the hill to cry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 uh. 
Some will bring you cheer The grifters and the starstruck The poets and the punks The PhDs, the jailbirds The models and the drunks I like the street I like the street Beep, beep. <laughs> Is that insinuating a car? Yes. You just get honked at a lot. <laughs> oh, right. Being a bicycle messenger. <laughs> yeah. One time I was on Kearney Street near China, yeah, it's Chinatown. That's funny. Just cruising along. There was, it was middle of day, not heavy traffic. Mm-hmm. And someone kept riding their horn, riding their horn. It was some mm-hmm. other delivery company van driver. Mm-hmm. And they took off and I got the information. I was like, why? And I used to just like turn around, hey, hi, you must know me instead of, you know, doing the bird. And that just escalates, you know. <laughs> you learn because there's enough stuff to go, accidents and so on. So yeah. You kind of have to keep it up, upbeat. So I got a hold of the company. I wrote them this f- long, flourishing letter about, I really appreciated the way your driver was honking at me nonstop as a show of affection you know it was totally tongue-in-cheeky and they they loved it they laughed and then they razzed the the person doing it and never heard from them again but anyway i just turned it around into something positive there you go we could use that right now yeah (laughs) this place in time well thanks again for stopping on by thank you for having me i really appreciate it absolutely no you had some really interesting stories and um, is there anything else that you want us to know about working with the monkeys that we might find interesting well they they're people like everybody else and i saw a lot of interesting things here's the thing there's popularity and like we have a president that most people know because of a reality tv show and dialing back to star trek Uh which a lot of their stuff, the tech on there became true. Our phones are like the communicators. Right. And then applying that to the monkeys, John Lennon said the monkeys were doing something we couldn't do because we were too busy being a band. Mm-hmm. The monkeys made a TV show where they could put hit songs on every week and people discover you. But it also mm-hmm. touched people. There are plenty of bands out there, plenty of artists who sold records and... Um, are people familiar with but when you go on tv that's Mm -hmm. ubiquity and so it affected people different ways and i would see a lot of people in wheelchairs and not mentally fully endowed to to say you know they they were handicapped or whatever is political politically correct these days and 
it touched them. It touched so many people. And I, I thought about it more after Davey died. Right. I had a chance because while while you're doing it, you're just thinking about your own stuff. I'm thinking about my own music, my own gigs, because I didn't do that full time. But at the same time, it was this wonderful runaway of opportunities and meeting people. And uh, clearly, everybody you work with introduces you to new people mm-hmm. and people that are obviously connected and established have those connections that go with it so it was a pretty wonderful experience that way but just seeing how it touched people in a positive way it was about four guys who were finding their way without adults helping them (laughs) and there was innovation involved there was ingenuity involved uh they did the starving artist thing but they made a joke out of it they made fun out of it and uh and, it, and the music was obviously quite good. They got A-list songwriters, plus the albums that they actually did their own productions eventually. They, all those things just reach so many people. And it's very amazing. And that's why I think it's Star Trek, because that, that reached so many people, and that had a message. It really did. Somebody at work was just talking about it the other day, how some of the um, you know, people of color on that show and how they were getting a lot of pushback saying, we don't want you on this show and you, you, know, you don't represent us and all this bullshit, but they you know, persevered and now you know, look at what we have now. There's so much variety. It's pretty much, um, well, there's some other things that you could say about who's being represented on television these days, but... At least um, in terms of you know what your background is, that isn't so much of an issue anymore. So we've had some progress. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and um, what was your favorite song that you worked on with Davey or that you got to perform? The, on the tour, the 2011 tour, uh-huh. which musically was fantastic. It was a long show. We did the full Head album. And I'd say one of them would be well, Mickey sang most of the hits, uh, but it would be uh, like Porpoise Song that both Mickey and Davey sang on, mm-hmm. and that was a fun one. That was very trippy. <laughs> it was almost like doing a Pink Floyd song, mm-hmm. and then, um, well, we did Daydream Believer so much. No. That was the one that paid the light bill. <laughs> Keep those lights on, those psychedelic lights. <laughs> oh, well, actually, on his show, mm-hmm. uh, I wish I would have brought some of those recordings. We used to yeah. do Van Morrison songs. We did a Van Morrison. We would do these really eclectic covers. He'd pull them out of the hat. And so it was half the show would be his solo stuff, monkey stuff, the hits. We had to do the hits. I didn't know he and, did that. And then, uh, then we would just pick out these covers. We did an Oliver medley because he had a big association on Broadway uh-huh. with Oliver. And, uh, okay. He he wanted to do these Latin pop songs and different things. Ron Dante, the Archie's guy, Sugar Sugar, yeah. wrote wrote a song called Amore. And Ron has had quite a career. He'd pop up at our shows and we'd do Sugar Sugar and things like that. But uh, yeah, there there were some pretty eclectic covers. And he did one of my songs, uh, this one that uh, Love Love Alone. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't there. Oh, no. I didn't do. I didn't always do all the shows. And uh-huh. I get, oh yeah, we did the King song. It was called. He, that's what they called it. But anyway. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure you took it as a compliment. <laughs> yes, he was very supportive of me and the other guys as an artist, and that meant a lot because people respected his his legacy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you don't know 
exactly how it reached people until it's not there anymore. Right. Definitely. I'm going to listen to... I go through phases where I listen to them, and then I don't listen to them for a very long period of time, and then I'm like, God, I missed that. I need that back in my life. <laughs> yeah. It's like that missing piece, you know? <laughs> well, thanks again for stopping on by, and um, we'll make sure to check you out the next time you're in San Francisco, the Bay Area, you name it. And then you're welcome to come again, too, if you want. <laughs> the more the merrier it's been I have to tell you it's been kind of weird I've been here seven years and it's hard to get people to promote their projects in San Francisco now I don't know what's going on oh, I'm I'm merciless about that <laughs> well I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crash your wedding or your funeral or something with flashing cards oh, I hope around not. <laughs> but at the right moment I I hear things I hear people they have a, a mix that's not happening. Yeah. The, the music's great, but it just needs some tweaking. So, oh, yeah. let me let me get my my mitts on that, and let's make that fly. Let's make it much better and clear things up. And I love helping people. Actually, it's it's a mode of service for me to help people get good mixes and make mm-hmm. good tracks, get their songs done. There's a lot of people out there too. Uh, more. Well, I guess it'd be any age, but I, it seems like an example. I had a doctor who was turning 50 mm-hmm. and he wanted to do his own Sergeant Peppers. His sound, he played mandolin, mm-hmm. but he said he had some money and he said, let's do this. This is my legacy. This is something huh. I want my kids to hear and say, yeah, my dad did this. And you had all these great songs. He wasn't going to go off and start touring. Musically, it reminded me of Jackson Brown a little bit, okay. that, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I produced his album and we had a blast. And, you know, I had tubas and mariachi bass and all kinds of crazy stuff on there so it was fun that sounds great and you have those memories and you're gonna continue to make more memories so yes it's never ending right that's right all right well until next time stay tuned for more mutiny radio
I've seen the riots. Okay, what is up with these women with their hands on their heads? They're nuns. They're peacefully uh, protesting. Oh, they're like, dude, don't shoot, don't Beat shoot. Beat each other up. Hands up. All right, there's the mountain. This must be a Paramount Pictures film. Because that's their mountain behind there. Paramount oh, yeah. Pictures. All right. <laughs> we got the Paramount. So this was shot, I guess, in Australia? Yeah. Ari. It's not the Philippines. PM. Ooh. These are really clean-looking prisoners. These prisoners look very clean. Oh, yeah, and this truck looks amazing for a set. It's just some guys rocking a, a uh, structure of a truck outside the, the set. Oh, I hope we get a dream. I don't know who she is, but I hope I see her dream flashback. Oh, wait, hi. Yeah, green eyes. Oh, there is a flashback for somebody we don't know. Dun, 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 dun. I used to pose as a girl made of silver. <laughs> Those are be- Are they bells or are they cups? Like crystal glasses with girly stems. Ah, gotcha. Oh, she, she works at a weird store. Oh, and they come in. <laughs> they come Jesus, into a China this shop. whole movie. <laughs> so, the Australians are very. Is he your lover? Yeah, you don't have to walk into a china shop with someone you want to beat up, cop. Yeah, the cop in a china shop. It's worse than a bull. Yeah, you it's way worse. Have a bull. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just get the bull back? <laughs> what would you rather have? A bull in a china shop? Or uh, a cop beating up a rioter in a china shop? I think we just yeah, bull for sure, because then at least you can't say it was a hate crime, you know? Here's his flashback. He's a ham operator, ham radio operator. Oh, he likes to live in a weird, creepy basement. Hello, come in, luggage. The government called us traitors. Oh, nice ass shots. Finally, some TNA. We're watching the uh, the bottom half of Coughs as they walk down an aisle. <laughs> <laughs> These wooden crates. Nightstick and ass shots. So they basically gave us everything. This looks like one of those tech uh, incubators where they have bunk beds and you can live in the you can live in the summer, <laughs> and it's like twelve bunk beds in a room. Okay. Baba Booey. Well, I guess he ended transmission. Don't give up. That guy sounded. It, he didn't sound Australian. Yeah, maybe he's an American actor just hanging out. What? No flashback for the third person waking up? There she is. In a truck. We're in a truck. Ooh, ah. Oh, that's right. There's no subtitles for their Australian accents. Ooh, ah. I shouldn't be here. But if you weren't here. <laughs> they all don't belong in the mm. truck. Nobody belongs. Right. This is a, I've seen them play like this at a theater. <laughs> it was called No Exit in a Truck. And it was three characters in search of a truck exit. <laughs> Author. Oh, look, this is a futuristic Ooh. modification facility. Okay, bad guy has a bad haircut. They, <laughs> like, why did they give him such a bad? They could have given that guy something. I mean. Uh, it's, he's a silver fox. How do you think he's a bad guy? Oh, because the silver fox is always the bad guy. Man, what yeah. do you mean? The what do you mean? Jews. Yeah. Yeah. Silver Jew. Silver Jew. He's got to be bad. 
Oh, this oh vehicle God. is amazing. I want it. I want to live in this neighborhood. Camp 97 or 47? It's Yeah, I can't tell from the... Why is the computer uh, font? Is other, are other computers going to read that truck? <laughs> <laughs> That's four and nine. Make it right. <laughs> Communicating. Oh God. Oh, this guy is a limp. See, these are all character actors. They've been in. They're, they're prolific character actors in these B movies. Yeah. From Australia. Well, except for Alicia Hussey's she's done a lot of other great stuff. So, by the way, these stunts are fucking nuts. This is a real guy walking underneath a truck, climbing underneath the the axis of a truck. And you too, sir. So he's, uh... Oh. You gotta have that whip in the... Mickey Miss Cat calls after this guy. <laughs> they all look like they're from Lost. They really do. His hair is orange. I'm like, I'm, I feel... I'm upset as a ginger. They've already offended me. This guy's, like, whipping a real whip in front of these actors. It's Jim Jim Farney. <laughs> Did he say what ass up? He said head down, ass up. I think that's what I'd like to hear that too. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you think that's what they, <laughs> he did not say? <laughs> I think that's what he said. I, oh my god! So this guy is actually fucking doing this. Yeah. Maybe it's a stunt. Maybe that's like he's not underneath a truck while the truck is driving. They have like a blue screen. Maybe. Oh no no no! That's a real stunt. Maybe that. I mean, yeah, I doubt that's a blue screen. Well, that can't be him in the same scene while they're they're whipping someone. He must be out. All the villains have this silver-haired uh, look. They're all old oh. white men. All the old white guys are. This really did predict the future. They did have uh, paper uh, <coughs> uh, meeting boards while they watched uh, monitor cameras. I lost the point. But they have like they're watching TV monitors and they have all these paper uh, schedules up on the wall. It's like high tech and low tech. <laughs> Oh, so these are like the training places, uh, old rich guys. Uh-huh, uh-huh. This is all just a chess game to them. Do you, do you like to smoke a pipe like this gentleman? Have you ever done that? You know, I have done that, um, but no, I don't do it regularly they're not you know smoking pipe pipe, pipe tobacco can it's, it's intense you know it's like it is intense and i never really experienced it elsewhere they don't really try to replicate it in cigarettes Mm-mm. i guess uh, clothes is a different thing and you don't wouldn't smoke clothes in a, in a pipe tobacco it's been so long since i've seen someone smoke a pipe i mean that's how we know this movie is legit yeah <laughs> well these are australians so who knows Maybe Australians they, are feisty. We know they're feisty. Also, these guys represent the upper crust. So to, to, to deliver that, they have like brand new glasses and pipes and other props. And really nice buttons. These buttons are pretty great too. And then she's scared. I don't like. God, she's playing <laughs> such a. Stop being such a woman, woman. No, I'm joking. Um, they're at your. It's during the day. Is something just disheartening watching them get whipped during the day? Yeah, it's kind of like. Get, why is she acting so scared? You're not supposed to let him see you sweat. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's shivering. It's the it's day. It's the middle of the day. You got people everywhere. This guy did not see the sexual harassment seminar video. Yeah, dude. No, no, but they so normal. Oh, God. Whoa. Uh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
Oh no. Oh no. Zip it down ah! the pantsuit. Oh god. It's so scary. And let's just watch. So every time this guy has to pee between uh, harassing ladies like this, he has to zip down the zipper from the top of his collar. <laughs> yeah. Are you a poofta? Head down, ass up. He did say that. He did say that? Yes, he said it again. But he was talking about oral copulation. I can't hear you. You just hit me with a billy jack in the back of my head. I have a fucking concussion. Yeah, really. I just hear ringing in my ears. Uh, saved by the bell. You know, did you lock the door? I didn't. Who is it? All right. Famous last words of this podcast. I'm so scared. What are you doing here? What? What? Oh, staff meeting. Interesting. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, did she lower the uh, the volume? I don't know, man. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and watch the meeting while the staff meeting is going on. We'll watch this movie. Excuse me. <coughs> Hello, prisoners. You may wonder why you're here. None of you belong in a truck. <laughs> Welcome to summer camp. I know this will be grueling. She's already singled out by a bunch of group of people. Oh, right, right. Yeah, we're watching this. We got a guy, he's paying his dues, and then we're watching these people pay their dues. Oh, my God, dues. I got to pay my dues, too. Everybody's paying their dues right now. Oh, yeah. Are you just put it in that box? All right. Oh my god, that's so great, I'm here too And I'm, I'm on the air, I have to definitely uh, whip up my dues this month I just feel like it's a theme now Oh yeah, oh, so everyone's going to be coming and paying their dues Literally paying their dues here on the show So we won't call attention to it anymore But I should uh, clean up this place a little bit I didn't, wasn't expecting company here <laughs> We kind of just spread out, you yeah. know no, it's all right. This is uh, we're watching a movie right now. They've singled Turkey out the shoot. hot chicks, and they're just I don't yeah. know what they're gonna do to them. They're all standing around like they're soldiers, but they're prisoners. Like even the prisoners are standing at at a pace. You know what I mean? Like if I was a prisoner, I would just be like, I'm a prisoner. Yeah, I have a prisoner slouch. Yeah, exactly. You're not. But yeah, this sexy lady, uh, hair wise at least. Ample. He used the word ample. <laughs> I always, when I talk about women, I always uh, drop that ample in there. It's an ample opportunity for the women. Right. Ample. I wonder if you'll see stacked next. <laughs> like, I just wanted to think. Oh, man, you really called him. It's, he's busted. Oh, my God. These two guys look like they're from a Duran Duran video. Oh. So mean. They're gonna beat up a kid? Oh no. <laughs> I'm, worried. I'm laughing at this movie now. 
he does look like, a, like an old-timey boxer as he <laughs> throws real punches near near her but he's got the mustache and the bald head good day to you sir so she's explaining her 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 backstory as if her flashback wasn't enough oh she didn't get this a flashback. isn't the fla- this is a different girl Oh, I'm sorry about that. The no, it's all right. This is uh, it's gonna be like this all day, I guess. Apparently, yeah, we got. Hey. Actually, can you do me a favor? Put this on. I bring Thank you. Oh, That's really thank nice you. Thing. Sweet. Oh, I can't do two. That one is. Oh. The bag. Oh, the bag. No. Oh, because they're okay. Well, uh, maybe they're late. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they're. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, we started at noon. Late. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, we have the show. If you want to sit down and uh, have uh, watched the movie with us, you're more than welcome to. Turkey Shoot, and it's an Australian film from 1982. And they're just beating people up left and right, and uh, it's very violent. Thank you for the invite. Appreciate it. Right? Very right. funny. Good luck. Thank you for the donut holes. <laughs> this is definitely a lazy brunch hour now. I know. I was mocking the last show. Mm-hmm. I'm like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get him out of the studio. No food oh, in the studio. Mother. Oh, my God. We missed her. Like, she oh, got the God. shit beat out of her. Ship, I mean, blood like coming out of her. That was that was some interesting fake blood. You know, the ginger guy is going to be creepy because they always make ginger creeps in movies. So upsetting. Oh, I don't there even know if this mic is on. You're on now. Oh, God. Yeah, so we just meet uh, Miss uh, Chick. Not only did she get beat up, but the actress had to sit there with that stupid fake blood gurgling out of her mouth. I'm sure that tasted wonderful in the sun. Okay, now this is just weird. All right, this guy is getting uh, tortured in a torture chamber. I would pay good money for this. <laughs> this is what happens oh. when you use Airbnb. Oh, he's got to hold that thing up, and if he doesn't... It's going to crush him. Oh, no. I paid good money to watch a crushing. Yeah, everybody really likes the crushing. Peter crushing. <laughs> Your re-education consists of us you beating you up while we shoot as a movie. Yeah. This is like one of those uh, women in chain movies and prison movies, but it's all guys basically. A couple women. Yeah, what? Yeah, it's, it kind of reminds me of The Prisoner. Oh yeah, which was great. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, better. I mean, different, but similar. Because we still don't know why they're there. They're there for their re-education. Well, they're there because they know too much, and uh, they can't go back on the streets as a civilian because they know all the secret workings of the their secret organizations. Uh-huh. So they have to keep them on the island. Ooh, and then yeah, see why he's eating raw fish. But I mean, to be fair, all Australians eat raw fish. They eat the guts just right out of the fish. Yeah. The, well, it's like when you're peeling potatoes, you might take a bite in the potato. If you're getting fish at a table, you might just like want to nibble on it, see if it's good. They just push them in the fish. This uh, is my wick. You chum. By chum, I mean fish, shark chum, because you're covered in fish. Is he dead yet? What about his boner? This guy's been holding like a hundred pound weight was standing in a cage in the hot sun. His erection must be like huge by now. You'd think. And at this point, I'll be like, is this a fetish? Because <laughs> let's just say it is. 
He's been there for quite some oh, time. Oh, he's been more weights on it. What a dumb car. Oh, shit. How's this re-educating? I don't know. Like, I wish my hands were better? Yeah, right? I. It's like more like grooming. This is uh this is probably our lively, liveliest episode. We've learned the uh, inner workings of uh, Muni FM, yeah. which uh, I do encourage everybody to uh, to join and uh, listen to. So I'm the one you can't break. Uh, he's the White Hope. Here he is. The white guy's gonna save the day. You're afraid of. See, like his erection must be huge by now. Yeah, he's totally. He's smiling at that guy. He's gonna put more weight on it. I would take less weight off. <laughs> oh, he's gonna take some weight off. What a nice guy. <sighs> god, these Australians. But even just like, oh my god, hello YouTube. Nudity. No oh, bam. This is the old shower scene. It's co-ed, is it? No, it's not. That's it is co-ed. Those are all women. Oh no, that's a man. <laughs> that is a man. Yeah, that's full frontal male and female. Well, full frontal female. Female, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, uh, oh dog. my God! Dong, dong, dong. We just saw uh, nineteen fifteen is the time. Yeah, movie, yeah. I just want to get straight to it. Yeah, if you want to just go right to the the full frontal man, man, man. How hot? That's a good timing into the movie too, because by eighteen minutes into this film, I'll be like, "Fuck this! I gotta get out of here." Wait, there's dong. I should sit. He's the only guy with uh, five o'clock shadow. Terrible shadow, five o'clock shadow. I can't tell if it's fish, if it's chum or if it's <laughs> stubble. It could be chum. Yeah, it's like that is. He's just a creepy ginger, and I'm uh, I'm sick of these creepy gingers. But his his stubble is like, is it ginger or is it gray? No, no, it's it's brown. That, brown. that, that is, it's really the. Maybe he dyed his hair, and you he just. He dyed it. God, she's so hot. She just did take a shower in a prison. Yeah, that probably really makes her hotter, I guess. Yeah. It takes her... Oh, bam. Okay, yeah, a lot of, like, near-dick sightings. <laughs> <laughs> just near-dick. So close, but so far away. Um, we did uh, We did do a movie that's X-rated on YouTube. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's called The Telephone Book, and it just was... Uh, it was just like this guy was talking while this woman's tits were hanging from the top, <laughs> and he was like talking, 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 <laughs> and it was like that. So it was a little too much. And we didn't watch the entire movie of that. Yeah. 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 Ultimately, at the end of the day, you shouldn't be watching porno with your friends. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's some gunplay. This woman is uh, assembling. Oh no, she's assembling a musical instrument. Blindfolded. Is it a gun? Yeah, she's, she's doing it blindfolded. And uh, she probably doesn't see that her shirt's unzipped because she's blindfolded. <laughs> yeah, no, that was intentional. 32 seconds. 
I like how they uh, just point guns at each other. Yeah. That's how you know it's not a real gun. That guy with that donut hole was the best thing I ever had. Yeah, yeah. yeah you want another one? Nah. 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 It's pretty freaking good. Because now I need coffee with that donut hole. I know, right? We need coffee. Hey, guys, if you're out. Oh, wait. This is. Oh, are yeah. we, we're not live. <laughs> if you're out there. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> well, bring it. Bring it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> That'd be <request> great. coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come a week late. September 11th. All these people are here. Bringing with coffee. <laughs> oh, that would be the best, you guys. This, uh, is, this is broadcasting live too. Oh, good, so. good. Oh, good. So yeah, bring us coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, like, live, live. All right. So let's see Please. who we're beating up now. Oh, they God. just threw that guy on the floor. Oh, that's the uh, weightlifting guy, Atlas. Everybody is uh, in really great shape. They're all... Um, yeah, and they just torment the shit out of them. Yeah, and there's a lot of sweeping. It feels like a performance art piece, you know, just to... <laughs> <laughs> As well, it's either that or, like, get more production value. They're just like, well, if this is a facility, why don't you be the janitor? Yeah. And uh, brush in the background? Oh, my God. He's so sweaty in this shot. I mean, for God's sake, like, make him, like, Hollywood sweaty. Just, like, you know, like, you got a makeup artist. Glisten. Like, he's naturally glistened. He's, like, blue pools on his neck. I'm in love. Why do you care what they do to me? Why do you care what they do to me? Oh, we're having a very... A little romance in this absurd film. That's a good movie, too. A little romance. Okay, very good. I've never seen a little romance. With Laurence Olivier and uh, with those kids, they're cutie pies. It's a good kids movie, I mean, I guess. He, he falls in love with the kids? <laughs> no, the kids fall in love with each other. He takes uh, them, he's a con artist. He takes them on this crazy adventure. Now, these kids are like 14 or 17, 12. 13, 12. Yeah. yeah. Little, a little romance. <coughs> oh, because they're just preteens. A little romance. Uh-huh. I would still I would probably go to jail if I had that movie <laughs> you're right you're right I don't know here's the prison garden the victory garden this guy is burying something secretly while God. a gunner above him oh he's so he has a knife he's burying a knife underground that'll stop those fucking rabbits from eating the, the crops <laughs> underground <laughs> Bury knives yeah fuck you rabbit Everyone has a prop. There's yeah. Like a preach for a prop, a uh, fat cat smoking a cigar prop, rich woman holding a glass, well, glass of red wine prop. Oh, man. It just shortens everything. Here comes Sting. Oh, you're ginger. Yep. It looks like ginger. Thomas Dolby maybe. No. But it's always, they're just, I'm, I'm just sick of redheads getting typecast as creeps. Okay, you guys, we are more than that. We are so much. Yeah, you're creepers. We're not just creepers, though. We could be more. <laughs> but I don't think he's a part of the real, true school because uh, his stubble is kind of throwing me off. But he is kind of a ginger. He does hold ginger traits. Yeah. He's tropes. Good. Tropes. Ginger tropes. Oh, man. Oh, uh, duel to the death. Coming through. As your principal, we don't normally don't allow fighting, but the two bullies of classroom 16 need to resolve their issues. <laughs> oh, boy. For the newcomers, I suggest you watch carefully and learn by example. 
Oh, they're going to execute him. <laughs> Summer camp is fun. Freedom is obedience. Obedience is work. Work is life. You know what? I just got a phone call from George Orwell's attorneys. <laughs> they're suing him uh, for, for swiping uh, 1984. <laughs> Oh, now he's a priest, or is that just his suit? No, okay, it's just... He's a priest. Ish. Ish. But he smokes and drinks and stuff. Well, no, he just smokes a pipe. His friend drinks. He, okay. has, he happens to have brandy in the house. Okay, oh my God, they said They're pay gonna attention. Pour him on, they're going to light him on fire, I think. Oh my God. Awkward. It's so hypocritical, because there's no smoking in the, at these executions, yet they light the, uh, the prisoner on fire. Right. I mean, secondhand smoke, I understand, but secondhand... Uh, all right, never mind. <laughs> oh, they're going to do some weird sadistic shit. They got them tied up. <laughs> they're starting a comedy show. They're just, you guys ready for your first performer? I don't think there was a second take of this scene. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's holding that. Here's their latest torture. He has to hold up heavy plastic water containers. Did they teach this in Shakespeare class? Oh no. They tied some balls to him and uh, they're kicking it around. And he's chipping to the ground. It doesn't look like a fun game. I mean, I don't understand the point yet. But that looks like it's got to be flammable. Yeah, maybe at the end they light it, but I didn't know. They're just torturing his legs like that. So that means he's going to survive at the end. He's going to be the savior. But this still looks really... I mean, as an audience member, I'm a little... Uh, it's hard for me to watch these guys really torture him by tying these heavy balls and kicking him around while he trips. It's pretty it's brutal. Like, it's really happening. Uh, you know what? 